so let's let's start this way. I want to know, um, y'all had uh, women's book club, right? Friday, and what what are some highlights from the conversation, or from just hanging out, or whatever? I heard you did great, by the way. Great facilitating. Just you know, just throwing it out there. You did awesome. Um, anyway, from Lily thought so. So I know that. So at least, at least Lily thought it was great. So uh, what up? What, what was good about the conversation? Tell us something. Every every person that was at Book Club is now looking at other people <laughs> to be like, it's you. you should say it. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's just really refreshing to see like that when Lily and I were talking about some of those similar ideas I think something that stuck in my brain just from our conversation was the fact that even more than like being allowed to lead or anything is being like told that you're needed to and say telling like no look (laughs) if you don't do that thing that's on your heart to do or that you're passionate about no one may do that thing you know there is there is a lack of that passion because it's yours, right? Yours, you should be the one to carry that passion forward and through because it's yours, so do that gladly. And asking people to do that and women to do that especially is something that I think we can get much better at. And I think we can be more vocal about instead of just saying, oh, our church understands, right? Well, we know that about each other. Instead of just saying, no, let's ask also. Let's say we need you to, not you're allowed, but saying, please for the love so that this can get done and may get done and so that the kingdom may move forward in this way. Please do it, right? What else?
I think Acts also should should help guide a lot of those discussions because we th- we see throughout Acts, it's early now, but we see throughout how the story of the beginning of the church and kind of the kingdom translating to a church and saying, yes, we've heard kingdom of heaven at hand. Kingdom's expression at hand is church now. It's the church universal. It's the church body. How in the stories we'll read aren't just women you're included, but it's women you are pushing forward the church. You are pioneering these aspects of the church and in some towns the entirety of the church and in those things. So I think it'll be cool seeing Acts in relation to y'all reading that book and kind of helping us to hear that too, either when you come and tell us about how the discussions went or as you're telling us now, and as you're just living those discussions, I hope. As y'all do that, and as we as a church experience that, we, we get to see it in Acts, which is pretty interesting. And, and it could like change the way we see some of those stories and change the way we see um, roles of different people throughout the book. So anyway, I'm glad of that also. And when's the next one? Let's just do that announcement right now. When's the next Women's Book Club? October 27th. And what book are we reading? It's not going to be a book. It's okay. going to be about spiritual gifts. Okay. Um, so it's probably going to be articles with the idea nice. that you want to talk about spiritual gifts and be able to kind of encourage each other and know what each of our different spiritual gifts are. Right. Okay, cool. Nice. So uh, be ready to do that. Watch your calendar and watch the updates. We'll send out an email. Ellen's going to leave that, which is exciting. I'm sure it'll be great. And then we'll, we'll go from there. Um, okay, let's turn to Acts 3. Let's do that. And then I also want to hear from you a few different times today. But the first one is this. I just want to hear people's, I want, I want you to explain in your own words briefly, your favorite healing story from Jesus with the apostles in the New Testament. What is your favorite story where someone either gets healed or raised from the dead, that happens occasionally, just wild, but what are some of your favorite stories, tell them in your own words, because I think this is important as I read this one, or if you maybe only have heard of one, explain that one, that one, that would be good as well, no worries, yeah, yeah, now, yeah, let's do it, yeah, go ahead, sorry, no, that one's not waiting for later, that's, let's discuss still, (laughs) Destroyed it. Yeah. Like, why did you do that? <laughs> My construction brain is like, man, it is so hard to reflash that. The water will always get in now because they <laughs> penetrated the roof after construction is finished. There's no way. They have to build a whole new roof. Like, awful. That's a good one, though. What stands out about that story that's good? I love so many things about that story, but I love that they had, it didn't, they didn't just like quickly take the hatch off. It probably took a little bit <laughs> while Jesus is teaching. 
They're like putting a hole in the roof. It's noisy. I mean, that's really funny. And then again, like you're saying, the friend's faith is what impressed Jesus to heal him. At the end, anyway, he says, seeing his friend's faith, he heals the man. Just crazy. Anybody else? Someone gets transformation, it's beautiful, they're sitting in their right mind, having discussions, and they say, you have to go right now. Like his, his power was so scary, mm-hmm. like he was so supernatural. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? For me, the one that stands out, I know we've talked about it probably a couple times here at church, is the one where there's an unclean woman in this massive crowd, um, and she just trying as much as she can to get close to Jesus to even catch a glimpse of him and then touches his cloak, has the faith to touch his cloak and Jesus immediately turns around and says, who touched me? Um, and she comes out and says, I, I did. Um, immediately uh, says, you're healed, go and be free. Um, it's, it's cool to see the, the interplay of you know, a woman's faith and really nothing to lose at this point and just trusting God and then Jesus having this other man um, just he, he knows exactly what to do in that situation he stops and knows that this person that he's not supposed to communicate with um, he's willing to do so yeah. in, in an intimate way yeah. in a big crowd right. which is beautiful in that story too yeah oh yeah so much power that just leaves when he doesn't ask it to, which is crazy. That's, that's a good point because here's, we have time for one more actually. Anyone have one more? Yeah. Go ahead. I had the one about the mule where uh, he doesn't trust in God and the mule is trying to kill him. Yeah. Go this way. And I'm trying to do it. That's me. You know, I want to do it my way. Uh-huh. You're probably not the only one. Yeah. When I read that, I like to read that every day And then unexpected things kind of help point our way, which is interesting. That God uses so many different circumstances and intercedes in very dramatic ways for us.
Which, the interplay too is funny in that story how the mule is the one that's not stubborn. Is weird. Because like the whole, in, in all seriousness, like the, the whole, that's supposed to be like this funny pun about that story is like, the man is being stubborn and whipping the mule, and the mule is like, <laughs> I'm the, yeah, and then talks to him, which is very strange, very strange, you're right, that, that is a good one, and here's kind of, here's kind of what I, I want us to see just from talking about those stories, is, is too often, and as we read this, the tendency is for us to create this formula for how miracles or healing or, or supernatural exchange happens, right, you do this, this happens from God, you pray these words, you have this much faith, boom, you have result. And that is absolutely not what we find throughout Scripture. We have so many different stories. We have so many different situations. Jesus walks up to someone who's demon-possessed, and, or, well, the demon-possessed man runs to him and, you know, acts whatever. Jesus talks to him, heals him, sends, it to, sends the demons to pigs, they run down a hill, right? So you're like, okay. Someone confronts Jesus. Jesus takes the initiative to heal them. Everything takes care of it. Well, in another story, a man gets lowered from a ceiling. Jesus is impressed by the friend's faith, not his. He didn't say anything about the man's faith that gets lowered from the ceiling. He's impressed by his friends and is like, yeah, that makes sense to me. I'll heal this guy because that faith and my power can translate into healing this friend, right? Another one, we have a woman touches his clothes and his power leaves and he seems to not even like control where it goes. Her faith was the catalyst and his clothes touching him seem to be the callous for making that happen, right? So we have all these things. We can't just develop a formula for miracles. We can't develop a formula for healing. We can't develop a formula from seeing God work in these kind of ways. It's different all the time. It's unique. It's different. Sometimes we have the faith to do that. Sometimes we have no faith, and Jesus does it anyway. Sometimes um, Jesus is impressed with the faith but does something different than they ask. Sometimes he just heals demon-possessed people because he wants to, because he's, no one asks him, but he just feels like it, right? So as we look at this story, let's keep that in mind, and as we look through it and we talk more about generosity and we talk more about sacrifice and giving, remember that. We're not looking for a formula for us to do this all the time, okay? But let's start reading in Acts 3. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple... At the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And the man, or and a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to re- receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, entering the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw, they all, people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. So we get this story, I think, for a couple of reasons. No one at this point, this is the first story of the apostles healing someone after Jesus is gone. 
right? We have the apostles being a part of some healings when they went out, when Jesus sends out the 72, you know, and they come back and they're like, Jesus, some blind people are seeing now. Like some lame people are walking. This is crazy. What did you send us with? Like this power you've sent us with is a little bit, it's a little bit wild and outlandish. We like it, but it's a lot. Here's what we saw. Here's what happened. Here we find this first documented story of someone being healed after Jesus leaves from the apostles, right? So they're going to this gate, and they see this man. Someone tell me, what would the man's, what would the man's plight be in this city as someone who's been born lame? What would have been, describe things about his life. What's his, he's obviously begging for alms because of what? He can't work. He can't work, right? Who would have taken care of him his whole life? His parents, right? So after his parents leave, there's, there's no one to take care of this man. All he's left with is, is to beg, to, to rely on the generosity of others, to rely on some coins from others, to rely on them giving him scraps, basically, is his entirety, right? Not a lot in this day uh, as far as social help for someone like this. This is his social help. Going to the temple, hoping that being at the temple leads people to feel either a little bit guilty or a little bit more generous as they go to worship, even though, which is interesting, that uh, in, in most teachings, you wouldn't even be able to take coins to the temple. But he's hoping that maybe people forgot, brought coins to the temple anyway, or brought something to sacrifice, and would give him some of what they have or the leftover. And and I wonder, I think what's so interesting for us is we think because we've maybe been asked for money before, or we think because we live in a city that uh, has some sort of social service and, and some things to provide that we could understand this man's plight. But unless we've been in that spot, we, we can't. We can't. I mean, the closest, the closest we can get, maybe... Is, is having family or having a really good relationship with someone where that's their life or maybe having to have asked someone something from a stranger at one point in her life. As, and, and I remember, this is the least of it, but I remember one time um, I drove, I think I've told this story before, I, I lived in Connecticut and was driving to New York to spend Christmas with some friends of mine and I left without my wallet or phone because I'm myself. And I don't know why I did that at all. I had like, this is how long ago it was, I had like map quested directions and printed them out for myself <laughs> and had the directions, but I didn't have my phone to call them if I got lost and I, didn't, I just forgot my wallet and I was going to have to stop for gas because I wasn't going to make it. And I was halfway and I had no more gas. So I like pulled over to rest stop and realized I didn't have my wallet. It's Christmas Day. It's oh. December 25th. And I was like, ah, oh, this is so frustrating. Like, I don't, I really don't know what to do now. I don't, I don't have enough gas to go back home and, like, not go. I'm going to have to ask someone to help fill my car up with gas, right? Which, again, I'm noting, and I'm noting saying that is the least of people's problems. I'm just relaying whatever I can have for this. So I go to a guy that drives up next to me, and I'm like, hey, man, I know this is ridiculous. I forgot my wallet. I don't have any money. And he just immediately was like, huh, get out of here. You're, no way. He's like, don't ever, don't do that. And got back in his car and drove away. And I was like, okay. 
That wasn't what I was expecting, and that's unfortunate. The next guy, same thing. Next person, like, look like he wanted to fight me, telling me that's not how you ask for whatever kind of money I was trying to get. He got back in his car, right? Third guy is like, are you kidding me? Really? How much do you need? And I was like, no, man, just my friends will help me when I get to New York. Just $10 is probably fine. And he does it, scoffing, irritated, smirking. That was the experience, right? And, man, I, I, I know, again, that is such a small, like, people live with that being the best part of their day every day. Like, that being a successful, not that bad interaction. And it gave me such pause and was, you know, the, the whole humbling, a little bit embarrassing, having to ask, doing all these things was hard. And that was one moment on Christmas when I had a vehicle to get into after the person gave me that. I mean, that's like not what people really go through. And it was still like, ooh, thinking about it now makes me just, it's just hard, right? It's not fun. It's not a fun feeling. This is the person's life. If, if no one gives him food, he doesn't eat. If no one gives him, you know, it's not about gas money for the guy. If no one gives him alms, he can't go buy bread or drink, or he can't stay outside of the, whatever it is for him, he is absolutely, completely dependent on people's generosity or on people's sacrifice or on people's scraps. Is the person's life. And he's at this gate every day. He's recognized by all the people, for good or for bad, depending probably on the people going to the temple, for good or for bad, He's there every day. No fault of his own. That's what society is to him. That's the deal. What happens, James and John come. He sees them. He asks to receive alms. But Peter directs his gaze on him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixes attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. A few things on this. So again, we talked last week about opening our eyes to need, right? This one is a, is a pretty upfront, you don't have to have your eyes open too wide to know that the person needs money, right? He's there every day asking, he asks these two people to receive alms. That is an obvious, my hand is out to you, you can meet this need for me. But, but the difference again is they, something about the Holy Spirit interacting with them in this moment Let's them see past that. Let's them see past, this is an almsgiving time. This is time I should help this person with my excess, or I should sacrifice a little, or I should practice generosity and give the person alms. It went past that. For whatever reason, Holy Spirit, Peter, and John are, are interacting in a way to where they know and their eyes are open to this is a time of different need. This is something that I can meet in a different way. And the faith to even do that. Because again, they haven't done a lot of healings around and about, right? This isn't the norm for them. It was the norm for Jesus. And even then, everyone was impressed or surprised or kicked him out of town for it. Right? He just, for whatever reason, Peter decides, you know what should happen right now. The Holy Spirit and Peter decide, what should happen right now? I should offer this man to walk. 
Which, again, we've heard the story, and we've heard of healing, so it makes sense to us. That does not make sense at all. I mean, I have not thought driving past someone that asked me for money for lunch or for a cup of coffee, I have not thought, you know, what would be different than that? I should offer to heal them of whatever disease they have right now. That has not been on the forefront of my mind, to be honest with you. So this, this idea of the Holy Spirit truly transforming them, to see past what's seen, we should take note of. We should take note that it's, that it's more sometimes, more than just meeting the prevailing upfront maybe easy to meet in that moment need but to think about what might be past that to to see past what's easily seen with the help of the Holy Spirit is something that again we see transform this person so they say look at me this person does looks up at him and they say we don't have any silver or gold for you what we have is this the name of Jesus of Nazareth which is beautiful they say Nazareth because they're like they're, they're starting to let people know again and again. It's from this guy from that terrible town. It's from the the least of these person that turned out to be the greatest of these. When they start saying that, it makes me all excited because they talk about it's this outsider that's changing the world. It's Jesus of Nazareth. So they tell him that, take his hand, he stands up and does what? What does he do? He what? Leaps. Leaps, Which is interesting. And what else does he do? Praising God, probably in a very formal, reverent manner, correct? (laughs) Right? They say, get up and walk. And he loses it. Right? Freaks out a little bit. And explodes. Okay, again, with me, all I can think about this week, we brought, uh, we were eating cupcakes home or something, and Tovin, whatever it was, we offered Tovin, we're like, do you want a cupcake? And he just goes, <gasps> and put his arms out, and we were like, <laughs> relax, Lord, it's a cupcake, why are you doing this, you're so ridiculous, like, geez, y'all love to eat way more than anything else, but he just, <gasps> cupcake, and screamed out cupcake. And then promptly ate the cupcake <laughs> with his whole life involved with it. Like, enjoyed every moment. Asher eating the cupcake, like, first ate all the icing in just a gross way almost. Like, in one, and I was like, ah, oh, man. But they were, like, jumping, dancing, praising God about the cupcake, for real. You know, they didn't really praise God about it. But they were erupted, right? Giving Tovin a cupcake isn't like, oh, thanks, Dad. I appreciate you thinking of me in this moment and handing me a treat that I do enjoy. Freaked out, right? I <laughs> know that doesn't even compare. I know that's a stupid story to tell. Like, I just wanted to tell it because it's funny. But, <laughs> but this person, this person gets healed of a lifetime of never walking, ever, seemingly, lame from birth, dependent on everyone forever, when he's healed, the reaction is a little bigger than, oh, geez, fellas, thank you. By what power did you do such things, you know? Let's give a nice reverent hug. We're at the temple, mind you. No, he runs through the temple causing a display and 
I'm thinking the word ruckus is all I got. So he's causing a ruckus in the temple, and everyone kind of gets upset or is impressed. He's like jumping and yelling and dancing about. Like this, this person, in receiving this sacrificial, faith-driven moment of this generosity and this power, loses his mind, loses it in every way. And what happens to the people around them? What do they do? What does it say they do? The people see him, they recognize who he is, and what do they do? Or what happens to them? They're filled with wonder and amazement. Awe and joy, some translations say. They're filled with awe and joy. You know, we were singing the song. Todd, what, what was that song we were singing, the second one? After the chorus, I guess I don't know what musical terms are in any way, but you sing that one thing three times. What is that line? Can you go back to that? Uh, your name behind lifted up. Your name behind lifted up. Your name behind lifted up. Sitting or standing singing that song, thinking of this. And what happened when the Holy Spirit joined with their looking for the Holy Spirit, their faith, and a man's need? Jesus was high and lifted up that day. We, and we know this, so I'm not trying to oversimplify anything. We can sing, May You Be High and Lifted Up. And that is a beautiful thing to say. And I think in doing so, Jesus is high and lifted up. I do think Jesus' kingdom and himself inhabits the praises of his people. I, I, I believe that. And I believe there's something beautiful and mysterious when we praise with our words that, that it happens in that way. I think we speak that into happening. When we say, may your name be high and lifted up, I think it happens. But also, when actions like this are done, when people see past what's seen, when people are overly generous with themselves, when people are sacrificial givers, really, I think the kingdom has no choice but to be high and lifted up in a way that's not from someone hearing me sing it, out of tune, poorly, quietly at the back. I think when the actions are done of the kingdom, when the, when the real hands and feet of Jesus are displayed to people, and they are, we, people are touched really and really looked at. When he says, please look at us, and then looks at the person before giving him this gift of walking about and jumping, praising, entering the temple, which he couldn't do, by the way, either, because he was lame. To be able to do that, giving this person a new life, all the healings y'all talked about, and all the other just countless things of Jesus just interacting with people, changing them, it's, it's for, he's forced to be high and lifted up here. The people are filled with awe and amazement. They're filled with it. It just overwhelms them. They weren't convinced to have it. <laughs> they didn't accept awe and amazement into their heart. It just flooded them. The temple was flooded with the kingdom of God in the midst of them. Because two people decided to look at the beggar and not throw him 
some coins, even though that would have been also generous, but to look past what was seen, to just want to give everything they had or whatever they could offer. And that is what we are tempting to experience here as we're studying Acts, as we're learning to church, (laughs) as we're learning what that means, learning what that looks like. We, I desperately want to be a church that when we love and when we love each other and when we try to be a blessing, the people around us are filled with awe and amazement at the kingdom of God and Jesus. Because look at those ridiculous, broken people seeing past what is seen. I want us to do that so badly. I, I, really, I really do mean this too, and I'm not just talking about it because we talked about it earlier. I, I want people to see how our, our friends and our moms and women and lead in ways that other churches just might not release or empower, and I want that to fill the town with awe and amazement. I want them to see us teach our kids generosity in the same manner. I mean, I I do. We just, I don't know, I'm running out of it. Does that that make sense? All right, let's stand together, let's pray. Let's do that. God, we know um, I mean, honestly, God, we know at the, at the end of this day, at, at the end of the story, you can say a lot of things about it, but it's really just kind of a crazy story. And we're, at the least, we should just be filled with happiness that someone went jumping, running, yelling through a temple of reverent um, people, reverent religious people trying to go about their duty, that this person kind of disrupts all of it because of what you've done for them. At the least, let's just know that and just know that if we need to run and jump and scream, we should. (laughs) And also, God, let us be people who see past what's seen. We talk about it a lot, but God, let us be people who not only hear, but understand. That don't just see, but perceive. That we would look to the heart of people. That we would want to be people who meet needs that are, that are obvious and right in the front and right in our face, but I hope we are also the people that are creative and thoughtful and wise and hope to meet needs past that. And hope, just like we need, that the people we come in contact with find full healing and a full transformation and a full new life, just like we so desperately want. So God, I pray that you would center us on that this week that you would allow us even to be impressed that this healing didn't come from the formula, (laughs) that it was just beautiful. It was your love and your generosity and your power kind of displayed through people filling the temple with awe and amazement.